I'm Carly Palmer Webb, a gender and sexuality researcher, entrepreneur, enthusiastic Jesus lover, and the Christian sex educator. I believe that you can fully embrace your faith and pursue sexual wholeness in every life stage. And I'm here to help you do just that. I provide research-based info to help you prepare for and build sexual relationships worth all the hype, shame not included. This is the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the first episode of the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. I'm excited. Are you excited? The purpose of this podcast is to help Christians prepare for and build the kind of sexual relationships that we actually want. If you aren't Christian, but you think that you could benefit from this information, you are, of course, welcome as well. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Carly Palmer Webb, and I'm a gender and sexuality researcher and educator. I grew up in middle of nowhere, Idaho, in a little town called Weezer, pronounced like the band, spelled like Budweiser. I came from a relatively large family by non-Christian standards and a very normal-sized family by Christian ones. I have three sisters and one brother, bless his heart, and parents who really should win every parenting award except for sex ed in the home. They would be the first to admit that it was not their strong suit. They were as surprised as I was when their shy daughter, who used to be terrified by the thought of ever seeing another person naked, grew up to be a sex educator by profession. I earned both my bachelor's and my master's degrees in developmental psychology with healthy sexual relationships as my research focus in grad school. After I finished my master's, I married Dallin Douglas Webb, and if I do say so myself, I made a very good choice in a life partner. Since then, I've been working as a gender and sexuality researcher and online educator, and now we are adding a podcast to the mix. Before we jump into today's topic, three sex myths too many Christians believe, let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect on the Christian Sex Educator podcast. First, this podcast is intended to serve those of you that are single, dating, and married. I believe that knowledge is power in every life stage, and that includes knowledge about our bodies and our sexuality. I know that many of you who aren't married are choosing to wait until marriage to have sex, and I absolutely support you in that effort. But waiting to have sex doesn't mean that you need to wait to educate yourselves about principles of healthy, happy sexual relationships. Now, that being said, I also believe that it should be totally up to you what you decide to learn about and when. So I will try to make the titles descriptive enough for you to decide if the topic for that week is something that you're ready for or want to learn about. I'll leave the rest up to you. Deal? Along those same lines, I realize that many of you have small kiddos who aren't ready to learn about everything that we will discuss on this podcast. Of course, use your own discretion when listening around children, but if there's ever a particularly sensitive topic, I'll give you a little heads up at the beginning of the episode to listen to it in private or with headphones. Second, I want you to understand that I'm a researcher, which means I love data. It's so important to learn from large samples of people, not just from me or your parents or your roommate who got married last fall. 
I will make a consistent effort to include relevant and up-to-date research in these podcast episodes. And of course, I will also share my opinions. I'll try to make it clear which is which so you don't just take my personal thoughts as truth. I want you to feel like you can disagree with me and decide for yourself what opinions and behaviors align with your beliefs. Finally, it's important that you know that I'm very committed to my faith. I will do my best to teach things on this podcast that align with the teachings of Jesus. But that being said, my understanding of Christ's gospel isn't perfect. And the truth is, Jesus didn't go into a lot of detail about how to live his gospel in regards to our sexual relationships. Yes, he taught that sex belongs in marriage and taught us what true love looks like. But outside of that, it's up to each of us to learn and study and then choose. Choose what behaviors and beliefs align with our understanding of Jesus' teachings. All right, now that we have that established, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today. Three sex myths too many Christians believe. Depending on your background and upbringing, some of these myths may sound really familiar to you. Others, maybe not so much. But no matter what you were taught, I hope that the truths that I will discuss in contrast to each myth will resonate with you. All right, myth number one is this. Your sexual purity is the greatest gift you can offer your future spouse. Listen, I do not keep it a secret that I waited until marriage to have sex and that I fully support those of you who are trying to do the same. While I respect the decisions of those who choose otherwise, as long as they are in consensual adult relationships, I do believe that God intended sex to be experienced within the context of a loving, healthy marriage. But I absolutely do not subscribe to this idea that sexual purity is the greatest gift that a person can offer their spouse at marriage, not even for a second. Now, not all of you were taught growing up that your sexual purity is a gift to your future spouse, which I'm very happy about. But many of us were taught some variation of this message, and I think it's both untrue and pretty harmful. And here's why. First, this teaching uses fear and shame to motivate behavior rather than love. The message that we need to keep ourselves sexually pure so that we can offer that purity to our spouse implies that if we don't have that gift to give, we will be depriving our spouse of some fundamental part of ourselves. This message encourages youth to focus on not messing up rather than pursuing a life of love and discipleship. And second, this message suggests that our sexual past is the most important part of who we are and the thing that our future spouse should care about above all else. Let me be very clear. You are infinitely more than your sexual history. The greatest gift that you can give your spouse, it's you. It's your love and your personality and your quirks. The greatest gift that you can give to your future spouse is to be fully yourself and fully committed to them. Now, some of you believe in waiting until marriage to have sex, and you have sexual experience. Some were sexually active before learning about or committing themselves to the teachings of Jesus. Some had planned to wait until marriage, but went too far in the heat of the moment or the heat of many moments. And some of you, and I'm so sorry that this was your experience, have sexual experience because of assault and abuse. 
And of course, some of you have absolutely no experience with sex whatsoever. And you know what? All of you still possess the greatest gift that you can give to your spouse. Because it isn't your sexual purity. It isn't your sexual history or your lack of history. The greatest gift that you can give to your future spouse is you. All right, my friends, since I am in the business of helping you improve your sex life, we need to talk for a minute about lubricant. You need to know that I am the absolute biggest hype girl for using lubricant during sex, but not just any lubricant good, high-quality lubricant. If you aren't currently using it, you should definitely try it out. It's not just for women who aren't able to lubricate naturally. Not at all. Lubricant increases pleasure during penetration and makes manual sex so much better. And hello, who doesn't love a good massage? The right lubricant can double as massage oil too. My very favorite lubricant, and honest to goodness, the only kind my husband and I use, is Coconu. Coconu lubricants and body oils are plant-based and USDA-certified organic. They don't contain harmful chemicals or fragrances that can cause irritation, infection, and unpleasant smells in the most tender parts of your body. And the best part? They feel absolutely amazing and have a very faint, fresh smell. If you are using generic lubricant from your local drugstore or aren't currently using any at all, prepare to be absolutely amazed by Coconu. And listeners of this podcast can use the code LUBE15 to get 15% off every purchase. That's L-U-B-E 15 for 15% off. You can check out their products at coconu.com, spelled just like coconut but without the T. Good lube makes all the difference, and Coconut is as good as it gets. Okay, let's move on to myth number two. Sex is desired and enjoyed primarily by men. This myth is incredibly prevalent in our broader culture and is definitely not unique to Christian spheres, though we do put our own little spin on it. But this message is everywhere. When was the last time you heard someone say to their teenage son before a date, be careful tonight, girls really only want one thing. Or don't forget to wear your t-shirt at the beach, the girls around you might get turned on seeing you in a swimsuit. When was the last time that you saw a heterosexual couple portrayed in the media where the woman wanted to have sex more often than the man? I can't think of a single one even though this dynamic is incredibly common. We just don't talk about women wanting and enjoying sex nearly as much as we do with men. So that must mean that men want sex and enjoy sex a lot more than women do, right? Well, no. Let's look first at desire. While much of the research that has been conducted supports the idea that men on average experience sexual desire more frequently than women, the discrepancy is typically not nearly as dramatic as we have been led to believe by popular media. Women can experience high levels of sexual desire, and in many heterosexual couples, the woman is the higher desire partner in the relationship. So sex is desired by men and women. Great, but what about the experiences they actually have during sex? It's a lot better for men, right? Wrong. Well, partially. 
We do often hear about sex being unenjoyable or even painful for women while men are having the time of their lives. This does, of course, happen, but it isn't because sex was intended to be that way or because women aren't capable of enjoying it. In the very first chapter of Genesis, we learn that we were created in God's image. I believe that our sexual nature is absolutely a part of our divine creation. And you know what? God created all bodies with a great capacity for sexual enjoyment and pleasure. In fact, if anything, women have a greater capacity for sexual pleasure than men because their bodies are capable of experiencing orgasm repeatedly with very little time in between. In contrast, men have a refractory period, meaning that they need an extended break before their body is able to reach orgasm again. We'll talk more about that later, but for now we need to recognize that when it comes to enjoying sex, all bodies are more than capable. When women aren't enjoying sex, it's likely a result of things like insufficient arousal, stimulation, or connection with her partner. She isn't enjoying sex because the sex isn't good, at least for her, not because she isn't capable of enjoying it. The good news here is that if you just so happen to be one of those women who doesn't currently enjoy sex, that can change. With the right information and tools, and of course, a willing partner, sex can be all that you're hoping for. All right, let's move on to myth number three. You should never say no to sex when your spouse wants it. This one gets me all sorts of riled up. Come to think of it, I maybe should have started this podcast with a more pleasant topic because I have exactly zero chill when it comes to talking about this specific one. You know the part in Sweet Home Alabama where the little boy asked the little girl to marry him? When she asks him why he would want to do that, he replies, so I can kiss you anytime I want. That scene is adorable, and it's also not true. Whenever you engage in any sort of physical affection with your spouse, or anyone else for that matter, you need their consent. There is one verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7-5, that too many Christians have used to teach couples, women in particular, that they can never say no to sex when their spouse wants it. Now, what does this verse say, you might ask? Well, the part that is used in this way reads, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time. Of course, the wording is a little bit different depending on which translation you're reading. If you Google this verse, though I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, you will find pages and pages of articles explaining how this means that wives cannot ever refuse sex with their husband or they are not a biblical wife. In preparation to publish the book, The Great Sex Rescue, Sheila Gregor and her co-authors conducted a survey of over 20,000 Christian women. This survey is not representative, but with a sample size that large, we can still gain some good insights from the findings. In this study, 35% of women reported feeling guilty if they say no to sex. That's one in three women who participated in the survey who feel like they can't, or at least shouldn't, say no. Now, we could have a long discussion about the meaning of the words used in the verse in 1 Corinthians, and the context of the verse, and the difference between depriving your spouse and saying no to sex. 
But we don't even need to do that to know that this you can't say no myth is not what God intended for marriages. Instead, we can look at God's other teachings. There are two principles found throughout scripture, aka way more frequently than that one verse in 1 Corinthians, that we can use to understand how God would want us to engage in our sexual relationship with our spouse. The first principle is agency, or the ability to make choices. In the very first chapters of the Bible, we learn about the creation of humankind. And right from the beginning, God offered us the opportunity to make choices for ourselves, knowing that we wouldn't always make choices that align with his teachings. In Joshua 24, 15, we read, Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's obvious that God intended all of us to learn to make choices for ourselves. God never forces us to do anything, even things that would really bless our lives. So does it sound like the God that we know to say, "Mm, actually, once you get married, you no longer get to make choices. You do whatever your spouse wants you to. No, it absolutely doesn't. The second principle is very simple, love. Love was the hallmark of Christ's ministry. The most important commandments are centered on it. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible describes love this way. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. True Christ-like love must exist in order for a marriage to be a godly one. And in that kind of marriage, duty sex just doesn't fit. A spouse who is kind and who is not seeking their own pleasure above yours would never want you to have sex against your will. I do not believe for a second that duty sex is what God wants for his married followers. It doesn't align with his teachings on choice or on love. For sex to be all that it can be in your marriage, for it to be bonding and fun and pleasurable and full of love, it needs to be offered freely without any sense of guilt or duty. If you are someone who's struggling to let go of the belief that having sex with your spouse is your duty, I highly recommend you read the book that I mentioned earlier in the episode. It's called The Great Sex Rescue by Christian author Sheila Gregor, and it is absolutely brilliant. I'll link it in the show notes. All right, my friends, there you have it. Three sex myths too many Christians believe. If you just so happen to be one of those too many Christians, welcome to the club. It will take time for all of us to let go of these harmful ideas, and that's okay. Be patient with yourself while you learn to reframe sex in a more positive and empowering way. And hopefully, future episodes of this podcast can help you do just that. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. I'll be back every Friday with a new episode just for you. Until next time, my friends. You finished another episode of the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. That's one more step in preparing for and building the kind of sexual relationship that you're really hoping for. So congrats. For episode details and links, check out the show notes or head over to thechristiansexeducator.com slash podcast. And don't forget, 
God invented sex and it is oh so good. Come back soon.